Okay. So, I'm thinking this one's going to be something of a sequel. A long time ago, when I first started doing this, I made an episode called Reclaiming Metanoia. And I thought I wanted to expand on that. And I actually feel as though that's kind of consistent with what that word even means. So welcome. This is Begin Again. My name is John. I was trained to be a pastor, and this is how I'm at least trying to put something good into the world. I do this completely, my goodness, right now, I mean, I'm just doing this for fun. I don't make any money off of doing this, so this is legitimately me just putting stuff out there. So I hope you enjoyed this. This one is called Meta Meta Meta, and no, it has nothing to do with Facebook's new branding, right? But let's do this. We're going to talk about this word, uh, metanoia, or as I like to say, metanoia. Oh, that's how you, you can translate it into the Greek. It's this ancient word that over time has blossomed or exploded in a good way into whole new fields of meaning for me. Perhaps it was given to me as like a a little concept of an idea, but my goodness, it just keeps growing. And in in light of the fact that I just finished teaching another semester of Intro to Christian Spirituality, uh, my goodness, this word took on even more meanings. So let's just chat through this because I really think that this could help a lot of us. And here's the fun thing. This word... Metanoia-o, which, yes, it's very hard to pronounce because it has three vowels at the end, was, legi- was, bleh, was literally the first word that Jesus says in some of the Gospels. When he comes onto the scene in the New Testament, in those scriptures, literally the first word that he says is metanoia, metanoia-o. So let's do this, <laughs> okay? All right. Now, when I say meta, 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 the title for this, it's just the first half of that word, meta, noia. And let's think, in pop culture, we have meta and this metaverse that uh, is attached to Facebook's rebranding and what they're trying to do moving forward. But it's more than just that. It's, that's not quite what I'm getting towards. This word... Meta, it, it's often associated with um, movies and TV. So have any of you ever seen the show Community? It was brilliant. It only went for six seasons, six seasons and a movie. Uh, that's the hope. Maybe a movie will come at some point. But it's a show where one of the characters on there, Abed, is in love with TV. And so he filters his understanding of reality through TV. So he's making all these TV references while being on a TV show himself. And every so often, he makes jokes that are, quote, meta, meaning while he's on the show, he's making a joke about shows in general. And so while being within it, he's almost above it or... For instance, have you ever seen the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie with Zoe Deschanel? 
It's called 500 Days of Summer. I'm going to give a spoiler. So if you don't want to hear this spoiler, skip ahead 30 seconds, 40 seconds maybe. For 500 days, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is dating Zoe Deschanel. And at the end, they break up and he meets someone else. Her name is Summer. Uh, But he meets someone else and her name, this new fling, is named Autumn. And then the last second of the movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character looks at the camera. And it's almost as though he's about to wink, but he doesn't. He just gives this knowing glance of a smile or a smirk. And it's meta because he's kind of breaking the wall between us watching the movie and him being in the movie. Through the camera lens, it's almost like he acknowledges us. You can say this is also possible in theater. So whenever you're watching a play up on a stage, there's usually three walls. There's the wall on the right, the wall on the left, and the back wall at the back side of the stage. But there's an open space where the audience like looks forward onto stage, onto the stage, into their world. And when the character turns and talks to the audience, it's called breaking the fourth wall. And it's understood as being very meta. It's above, it's beyond, it, it's kind of breaking the rules. It's it's looking at things from like another vantage point of reality. Does that make sense? Well, what we're talking about is this word metanoia is the Greek word that's usually translated as repent. But repent carries with it a lot of extra baggage that comes to us because it was it was brought to us through being translated into Latin and then into English. Repent usually carries with it a sense of repentance or repunish. And so when you repent, you're supposed to punish yourself again for the things that you've done wrong. Well, the word metanoia just means to change your mind. It has nothing to do with punishment or beating yourself up again and again and again for your mistakes. No, it actually means that you metanoia, you change the way you think about things as a result of learning from your mistakes. It's very different. So let's let's chat through a few things because I want to talk about Simon Peter. He's an understood as the first pope, but he is one of the main apostles of Jesus's little camaraderie, his little ragtag crew of Israelites. And we'll talk through some of his life. We're going to talk through an unholy myth that all of us believe that needs to be smashed. I'm going to reference a book, and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay? So let's talk through Simon Peter. Well, okay. Simon Peter was an apostle. But before he was an apostle, a follower of Jesus, who eventually was sent by Jesus into the world... He was a fisherman, and his name was Cephas. Cephas means rock. And so there's kind of jokes said down throughout history that this man was as dumb as a rock. But once he got rolling down a hill, it's almost like you couldn't stop him. So Simon Peter was understood as being a little thick-headed, 
but he had a lot of passion. And when he got set in a direction, he just kept rolling in that direction until he course corrected. And so here's what we got. Okay, he starts out his life as a fisherman, which means he probably didn't pass the test to become a rabbi at some point. So he just goes back to his own family's job and uh, maybe family business, being a fisherman. Well, then Jesus comes along and he says, hey, you can do what I do. And so Peter changes his mind. He's like, oh, I thought I was only capable of being a fisherman. Maybe I can be more than a fisherman. Maybe I can be a rabbi. This guy says I can. He says, follow me, which, by the way, was code term that the rabbis would say to someone. Okay, so Peter then changes his mind. Oh, maybe I can be a rabbi like this guy. And so he follows him. And then later on, that's in chapter 9 of Matthew's gospel. In chapter 16, Jesus starts making some comments and Peter doesn't agree with him and says, no, 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 Jesus, you're never going to die. Like this, this thing's going to go on forever. It, you, no, you're wrong. And Jesus turns and tells him, you are Satan. Get behind me. Ooh. And so in this one fell swoop, Peter goes from saying, Jesus, you're great. This thing's never going to end to the next sentence being called Satan. <laughs> oh, God. So he has to rethink everything. So wait, what do you mean this is going to end? What do you mean that you're going to die? Right? Okay. Fast forward. Peter changed his mind from being a fisherman to maybe being a traveling rabbi, disciple of this guy. At first, he thought that this movement wouldn't involve some form of death for the leader, but maybe it does. So he had to change his mind again. In Matthew 26, Peter denounces Jesus three times when Jesus is arrested and he's about to be beaten and put on trial and then crucified outside of the city of Jerusalem. Peter denounces him three times. That's a punch. But then later on in John's gospel, Jesus shows up again after he's been raised from the dead and says to Peter, do you love me three times? And most people see that as a reinstatement of Peter. So here's a guy that went from fisherman to traveling disciple of this rabbi. He had to be course corrected, okay, when he thought Jesus's life was never going to involve death. He had to be course corrected. When he turned his back on Jesus and denounced him three times, but then Jesus says, no, you're still good enough. You're still good enough to be a part of this movement. And so Peter had to change his mind again, repent of some of his past mistakes, metanoia, right? But then even later on, Peter makes some more mistakes. He gets into a really big fight with an apostle named Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. And the two of them had disagreements about whether or not it's right to eat with people that were not Jewish. And so Peter was conflicted about this. He said that you shouldn't, but maybe he was going around and doing it anyways. And so he had to be course corrected by Paul this time. Then later on in Acts gospel, or not in Acts gospel, Acts is part two of Luke's gospel. But in there, he has a dream where God comes to him and says, you got a course correct. So here's Peter, 
who's really nothing of a star athlete, he kind of keeps making mistakes and then keeps having to be course corrected time and time and time again, where he has to rethink the way he was thinking about things. And so that's, that's pretty remarkable. Now, why is this important? Okay. Because by the end of his life, there's this historian named Eusebius who tells us that Peter was eventually crucified upside down. There's commentary on whether or not he was crucified upside down as a mockery, as if to say, we'll crucify you like your rabbi, just in an upside down way, as a mockery, or if he said in his last moments, no, don't crucify me like my Lord. I don't deserve it. Crucify me upside down. So that's interesting. But this, this man's whole life, he keeps having to do course corrections when he gets new information, when he learns from his mistakes, when he needs to, quote, repent, metanoia, rethink. Meta meaning change, noia meaning mind, change your mind. And so he goes from being a fisherman to being a man who's crucified upside down because of his complete devotion to this movement. So we have in his lifetime, uh, like a model that you don't just repent once. You don't just change your mind once. You got to be willing to change your mind your whole life long. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, that's why we're titling this one Meta, Meta, Meta. Yeah. Okay. So what's the unholy myth? Well, there's this unholy myth that all of us have. And it's that it's a one and done thing. I just have to change my mind once and boom, I'll never make another mistake. I just got to rethink some things and then boom, it's going to be clear sailing from here on out. You know, as if to say, if I just change the way I think once, then then I'm going to have the answers for absolutely everything. But then, like usual, we all end up saying, oh, no, I've botched it again. And then say perhaps something like, I'm I'm so ashamed. I I can't believe I didn't know any better. Why can't I do this? Um, Especially for those that are on the Jesus path and following Jesus. Why didn't I make, why did I make this mistake? Like I thought I'm like a, I thought I was a believer. I thought I was a follower of this guy and I'm still making these mistakes. Why, what about other people? Why aren't they doing it better? You know? And so we all have this idea that metanoia, metanoia, this word that means change your mind only happens once, but that's not true. And the life of Peter shows us that. Now, what's really interesting is I read a number of months ago, maybe a year ago, a really fantastic book called Teilhard de Chardin on the Gospels. Now, it's by a guy named Louis Savory, Savory, Savory. And it's really a book about how the Gospels really are kind of evolutionary documents. And when I say evolutionary, I mean the sense of these gospels help the world to unfold more, to blossom more, that these stories unroll and and lay out and expand 
our collective heart and mind and soul. And so these stories are not just stories. They're, they're not just clever fables that were made up. No, these were events that were recorded because they did something to expand the human soul to expand the human heart, to help people to change the way that they thought about themselves and others and the world around them. Well, in this book, Savory does a great job of taking this word metanoia and explaining it. Because so far, I've been translating it in some sense as to change your mind. But he goes way beyond that and he says this, Metanoia might actually mean the above mind, the mind that can see from a higher vantage point. It's the after mind. What's the mind after your current mind? It's, uh, it's an endless process that just keeps going. Now, this could sound exhausting, or you could see yourself as endlessly upgradable as always capable of greater becoming the best version of you. Does that make sense? And so let's think about uh, Abed, right, from Community. He's in the story, he's in the show, but he's making commentary and he's making, he's coming to realizations about the show in a deeper way. Well, what if you and I were to make comments in our life that kind of we're almost observing our life as if we could stand above it from a better vantage point and not just see ourselves as characters in our own life, but actually think critically about our own life from another vantage point outside of our own life. Or let's say we're a character on the stage, like in a Shakespearean play. What does it look like to break the fourth wall and to observe how we're doing life? To break the fourth wall like we're our own audience member and observe and pay attention to how we're, we're playing the part in the story of our own life. And so that outside perspective, that's the, that's the aftermind, the above mind. The way I explained it in a class at one point this semester was, let's say you are standing at a riverside and you see someone drifting by on the river and you say, oh no, this person's drowning. So you jump in the river and you go (laughs) and you pull that person out and you save their life. Great. That's cool. And then another person comes along. And so you dive in and you save a second person from drowning. And so then the three of you are on the shore and another person comes flowing. And so you go into the river a third time and you save them. Well, that's fine. That's good. You're saving people. But if you were to climb up the mountain and get a better vantage point of the river from the higher point on the mountain, you might be able to see that further up river, there's a bully who's just kicking people into the river. And so from your higher vantage point, rather than down by the riverbank, you're able to see the problem differently. And from that higher vantage point, you might be able to see the problem 
in a way that could solve the problem once and for good. And so now you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go upriver and stop that person from throwing people into it. And so by doing that, you're actually solving the problem once and for all. So this whole thing about metanoia is interesting because I kind of see it like um, a staircase. There's one staircase of metanoia, and that's one step. But then you can always go up to the next step. And then the third step and the fourth step. And each time, you have a greater and greater vantage point to understand and to see things around you. No doubt in my mind that Peter was the same person his whole life long. But he had his heart and soul course corrected by every event that he had going on in his life where he had to be corrected or expand his perspective of things. And so, yes, Peter the fisherman was the same person as Peter the apostle who's crucified upside down. But the Peter who's crucified upside down had such a high developed heart, mind, soul, perspective, that it's almost as though he was a completely different person, even though he was the same person who was a fisherman all those years ago. And so metanoia, metanoia, oh, this whole thing about change your mind and constantly elevate your mind, uh, climb the mountain, get a better vantage point, this is kind of like an endless upgradable game. And you could always spend your life being a fisherman. That's fine. That's a good life. It's not a bad life. But with every chance that we have to metanoia, every chance that we have to metanoia, we have the ability to better cope, to better understand, to better give compassion, to better align with those that are hurting, the better we are able to show sympathy, to be an activist, the better we are able to help the world unroll, to blossom, to, to form, to become what it could be around us. So here's, here's four thoughts. First up, give yourself some compassion that you didn't know better when you made a mistake. You made a mistake, and perhaps it's the first time you ever made that mistake. Give yourself some compassion. It's okay. But then two, perhaps we all need to learn to give each other a little bit more compassion when they make mistakes for the first time. They didn't know any better, right? But then also, keep learning and keep pushing. You still don't know any better about other things that you still have yet to metanoia about, but then same as other people. And so this kind of goes back to that idea that we don't change our mind just once in our life, as if one change of mind was the thing that we needed to then avoid every pitfall and hurt and pain and mistake the rest of our life. No, no, no. We need to give ourselves the ability to change our mind almost at every instant. And we also need to give permission for other people to do the same, right? To not create obstacles for ourselves from 
changing the way that we think and, and maybe not create obstacles for other people to change the way that they think. There's, there's so many ways that we create hurdles for ourselves and each other. And so what could life look like if we just constantly removed the hurdles for each other that are the hurdles that are keeping each of, us, each of us from growing and learning and expanding our heart and mind and soul in a beautiful way, right? Isn't that really the task of faith your whole life long? Get rid of the hurdles that are holding you back from growing into being the person of health and holiness and faith that you're supposed to be. So, oh, by the way, all of us, we, we want to know where we're wrong. Yeah, it's true that it hurts. Yes, it's a bummer to find out. It's a blow to our ego, of course, to find that we're, that we're still making mistakes. But you, you want to know where you're making mistakes. You don't want to keep going in the wrong direction like a, a boulder rolling down the hill in the wrong direction. You don't want to be on the wrong path for longer than you need to, right? You don't want to have the wrong information. You don't want to be with the wrong crowd that only give you thumbs up all the time. You want to be around people that can help you course correct, that can help you uh, change the direction of your thinking, change the direction of your, your actions. That's a good thing, even though it might feel slightly humiliating in the moment when it has to happen. So here's some thoughts. Last things. Here are some things that I think we can always keep changing the way we think about these things. All of us, our entire life long, have the opportunity to meta, 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 naeo about all of these things. About ourselves. About others. About God. About food. About finances. Death. Community. Health. Trauma. Prayer. Violence, movies, art, politics, the homeless, addiction, the internet, debt, medicine, ecology, donuts, zoos, outer space, inner space, all of these things. There's literally no topic. This is what it's like an infinite, endless spiral staircase of, I don't know, something. But all of us have the ability to do better. And it's not to shame us for not doing better, but it's almost like, what if we were to approach life as if we're just a perpetual student of it? Oh man, I didn't know that life could be lived like this. Now that I know it, I want to lean into this. Or man, this whole time I was living like this, not knowing that that over there was an option and that's a good option. So now I'm going to change course and go in that direction. You see, I think this is why... When Jesus shows up in the Gospels, the first thing he says is, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Meaning, reconsider everything you thought you knew. Heaven is closer than you ever thought. Reconsider everything. Maybe you thought heaven was far off. Reconsider everything. Maybe the way you were approaching things was that the material and the spiritual have nothing to do with each other, but actually they're so much more close than you realize. It's fascinating that Jesus says up front, essentially change your mind, reconsider everything. 
there is good news to be had. The world is not stuck and neither are you. So follow me. How remarkable is that? That this crazy rabbinic rabbi, who's really not crazy, he's just infinitely wise, invites all of us to follow him on this glorious path of ever-growing meta-meta-metanoia, meta-meta-metanoia. It's just, I don't know how else to explain this. I'm not sure if I'm going to wrap this up well, but it seems to me we barely scratch the surface of this reality that things can infinitely roll out and blossom. And I, I encounter people every so often, and, and let's, not, let's be honest, not just encounter people, I see it in myself that it's like some of us, we think that life is about blossoming once in one direction, not realizing that the beauty of life is that each of us are not like a single bud that blooms. We're all kind of like a rose bush that can blossom on this side, on that side, that side can bloom, that side can bloom. And all of a sudden, rather than seeing ourselves as a single rose that can bloom once, see ourselves as like a multifaceted 3D bush. Oh, gosh. That can just explode in beauty and goodness in all directions. And so what does it look like? The fact that each of us have something like infinite gardens within our own heart, mind, and soul that can just endlessly bloom if we just stop and recognize, I have every instant of every day for the rest of my life to keep blooming. How blooming awesome is that? (laughs) That's insane. (sighs) So my goodness, how about this? Why not allow ourselves to lean into this thing of being a lifelong student of what it means to be deeply human? Because somehow in the mystery of the resurrection and the incarnation before it, somehow diving fully into what it means to be fully developed and fully grown as a human being in every direction, somehow that's what it means to be participating in the divine life of God himself. That divinity is not experienced by rejecting our humanity. No, divinity is experienced by embracing it and letting it grow in every possible direction. Okay, we should wrap this up. So may you, the listener, never come to see yourself as arrived, but hopefully put your best foot forward towards always arriving. May you not settle into a form of complacency or, or laziness that you don't have somewhere else where you still need to grow. And may you always be willing to put the extra effort in 
the extra step in to go to a higher vantage point, to learn from your mistakes, to learn from the mistakes of others, to learn to see the problems around you in a different light so that you and your own heart, mind, and soul can constantly keep blooming in every single direction. Yeah. So may grace and peace be with you in that endeavor. Cheers to you. We'll catch you next time.